Hi, welcome to the Funding Blueprints Unlocking Startup Success. I'm Cody Goff, and today you're going to learn so many things about how to think about launching your startup straight from a successful founder. You'll learn how to hone in on what you're really trying to do with your startup and how you can be strategic about your niche, as well as the importance of being ready to pivot. And plus, what's the perfect age for a founder to start their entrepreneurial journey and what communication skills are most important for you and your team to have to find success? There's so much to get to, so let's get into it. My guest is Anna Gendrabura, an accomplished educator and entrepreneur who has made a significant impact in the world of workforce ed tech. With 14 years of experience under her belt, she has become a recognized name in the industry. She's the founder of English for IT, which is an established language teaching and workforce development service that caters specifically to tech companies. Anna is an ESL textbook author and a social media influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and TikTok. And she's also a co-founder of The Chain Miami, which is an insider guide to Web3 events and educational resources in Miami, where she's based. Now, Anna didn't quite follow a traditional founder's journey. So to start our conversation, she told me how she got started. And I think her story may give you some ideas on how you can get started. Here's our conversation. Yeah, so so here's I here's a backstory on English for IT. I, I, I became an entrepreneur really early um, in my career, so to speak. I, I launched a language school back home um, I'm originally from Ukraine, from Odessa, the city on the Black Sea. So I started a language school there when I was 21. It was like teaching English to everyone. And of course, it was just me and I had two other teachers, you know, an American teacher, native English speaking teacher, and another Ukrainian teacher. But then I was like doing this school and then I started working with the tech company based in Odessa, like a big uh, tech company. They they had a, a big office. This is an, a, a SAF company from San Francisco, but they had a big office in Odessa. So in, they invited me to teach English. And so technically it was 2012. And I, so this is like, this is when I, I usually say, so it's, it's t- t- 2012 when I started uh, working with the tech industry, but the name English Variety came about in uh, 2015. This is where I officially pivoted. I said no to the language school. I said no to teaching English to everyone. And everyone was like, Anna, this is so silly. Like you're saying no to big market. It's like 1.5 billion people learning English worldwide. You're picking the niche. You're going for the niche. And it's like much narrower. It's like much smaller and I'm like no I'm gonna do English for IT because we live so this is what I was telling people back then I said we live in the era of niche businesses and we still do actually so it was just the beginning when it was like really not cool but it was smart to pick your niche and become an expert in this particular niche this is what I did so technically starting in 2012 but coined the name in 2015. So that's that's about like, what, 11, whatever, 10 years, a little less. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you started, you, you, you started your own school when you were 21. Already pretty impressive. 2012, you pivoted to teaching for IT specifically, and then 2015, kind of the official yeah. English for Orange. IT. So you've been in business for a while now. Uh, I do want it. Come on, all my life. I only had one job when I was 19 working for somebody else for like one year. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so you're looking at the entrepreneur 
a hundred percent entrepreneur and uh uh yeah pretty much street smart a lot of that is street smart entrepreneur I was just going to ask, in terms of your entrepreneurial journey, let's talk about the success of English for IT. What's the secret sauce that made it successful? What would you say was the most important factor or decision that you made that helped it, it succeed? Uh, that's a very, very good question. So the very first one, I just the, the one that I just mentioned, uh, being very strategic about your niche. Because if I was spreading myself too thin trying to to cater to everyone instead of focusing on the tech industry, I don't think I would be on this podcast, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like be strategic about strategic about your niche, understanding like what you really want to do. But then, um, you know, you really have like in my case, um, I think what made me successful from well, we're being different, I, I think, because, you know, there is still, I mean, I'm, I'm still very much the pioneer of um, ESL for tech was I was like really listening to my customers and what they need, because l let me let me tell you the story. When I started working with the tech people, I didn't understand what they were doing. I didn't. I was just an ESL teacher. I was like, I was 20 when like, I was 20. Anal four, like I was just an ESL teacher. Like I didn't understand what these like product managers or project managers, like uh, quality assurance engineers. And so I came to, um, to I I came in in the classroom and I'm like, okay, um, there is a, a book, uh, English for Information Technology that I can buy from Pearson or whatever Longman Education. So I brought this book and they were like. On um, we already know how to name parts of the computer in English. So like these books that are available, um, mass like he, for ESL students and teachers, they don't teach English for tech. They don't teach English for IT. They just teach how to name different parts of computer and like basic things like you know system administration things like how to hook up your router, like things like that, set up internet. Pretty much what like everyone now knows because these books are like super old. And this is when I'm like, I have to learn IT. I have to learn how to build a website. So I went on YouTube and started watching videos on HTML, CSS. So I taught myself how to build a website to understand what these people are actually doing. Like, you know, some fundamentals and basics. I, I would go to multiple meetups, product management, product design, graphic design, and other things. I would just be learning what these people are doing and why they're learning English. You know, because like back then it was a little bit unclear what outsourcing market is, what is the outsource team and other things. So I pretty much became a tech professional, like not being a coder, but like I, I could probably, I mean, could do many things, just not code. I mean, <laughs> if HTML is coding, but they say it's <laughs> Sure. <laughs> But sure. yeah, so this is that was another successful thing because if I kept on, if I kept, you know, bringing these useless books and the to to my, you know, tech uh, tech students, it wouldn't, it it would, you know, give me nothing. They it, it, we would not, we wouldn't uh, achieve any results. But then I realized that okay, there is no curriculum for anything. I have to create everything myself. And that's how I became a book author later on, because I accumulated so much of this uh, materials and information. And then I'm like, OK, there's no textbook out there. I'm going to publish a textbook. 
um and like i'm gonna create online courses of course but like you know different format so that that was the 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 key for any startup technically right if we're talking about startup understanding what your customer needs that's a key right and but like how you're doing this that's another thing right like for example in my case that was uh, me pretty much really early on be before I started building the team so I had to learn myself first so that I later can build the team and cater to my clients so that that's like really important and number three uh, just to wrap it up um it's understanding like to be like, when you're building a company when you're building a startup understanding um when you need to pivot is key really because when I decided to pivot and do only English for IT, that was that was really important for me, you know. And uh, later, when when I was already you know building English for IT, like COVID started and like other things, there were so many times where I had to make really quick decisions and like pivoting. Now we're going because we were offline business, by the way, and we had to became online like within six months. Because, like, you know, we had no business and uh, and that was like a whole different story because, you know, we never did online, you know, courses. It was like online launches and everything. So, again, uh, for me as a founder, I had to go down that all the learning curve, like, you know, learn so much and, and pivot, make quick decisions. Because a lot of schools like ours, um, like teaching English and business English, they couldn't make it through COVID, to be honest, because they didn't make the pivot really quickly. So for startup, for a startup founder, for startups in general, being ready to pivot is fundamental because you sometimes need to pivot several times a year. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, so, so the most important things being strategic about your niche, understanding what you really want to do and understanding your customer, uh, and then and knowing when to pivot and focus. I want to zero in on that pivot and I'm curious, I heard you say on another podcast, like I want to ask you about what you thought you were building and when what you knew you were building. You said on another podcast that you don't you don't you don't you're not just teaching people English. Like you're not selling, oh, I, I help them learn a new language. You said I'm selling them an upgrade in their lifestyle. I'm selling them a, a better life because that that's just the tool that gets them somewhere, right? Like their new IT career, uh, all all this new opportunity they have. At what point did you realize that's what you were offering? Was that really early on and you had captured that? Or was it more like, well, I see a need for people to to learn this. I'll do that. And then it, it kind of gradually transitioned. I'm really curious what that thinking was like. That is this really good and very deep question, to be honest. I'm like trying to think, uh, what was it from the, was I that smart from the very beginning? Or <laughs> it was an acquired <laughs> a feature of mine, uh, speaking in tech language. I think that um, probably it, it came with some of wisdom as some experience, because at the end of the day, I mean, when we're learning something, um, our motivation uh, it, well, I mean, being motivated when you're upgrading, when, when you're learning a new skill, uh, motivation is key, is really important. However, we uh, people often think that they're motivated um, because of one thing, but in reality, that's not it. It's like, this is something deeper. And it's like with everything. And the language for all this immigrant or international right, professionals 
this is like the first step in the career and they uh, need to hear it because they don't understand sometimes like a lot of people don't understand this that they come to, they come to me like I want to improve English I was like what's your goal I want to learn more words I want to learn better grammar I'm like that's not gonna get you far because grammar is boring you don't, you don't really <laughs> want to you don't really want to have this on your like uh, a wall of goals you know I'm like what what like what what can you achieve with the language so I feel like I came to this um when I launched my online uh, uh project like when I launched my online courses because uh I um I you know we just got so many new um clients so many tech professionals who came to learn and i just started me personally as an educator and influencer and founder uh and entrepreneur uh it was a great leap and for my company for the for english for it i think we grew like four times in one year um and because we launched our online uh courses and i had to create you know, go-to-market strategy where I had to talk to a lot of people and I was like analyzing even deeper, what are we selling here? Like, why do they want this? And like, of course, um, English for IT for for people is an opportunity to um, get a promotion, to earn a higher salary or to negotiate a higher salary. Uh, it's an opportunity to relocate. It's an opportunity to get H-1B visa or whatever other visa they want for, you know, work visa, right? And this is this is technically for, let's say, even, you know, you, you, you're our startup founder. For you, it's an opportunity to uh, close your round, right? To fundraise. Like, you, people will see you differently. I remember when... I worked as a project manager uh, for an American consultancy and my boss, it was a really small firm and they hired me as a project manager. I'm like, guys, I don't have any technical background, background. I only have, you know, managerial background. And they were like, oh, Anna, don't worry about this. Uh, you, we like want you to be the middleman between the client and the development team. And the development team was all international uh, because you are one of us. I'm like, what do you mean I'm one of us? You live in America. I live in Ukraine. <laughs> what do you mean I'm and what they actually, what he, my, my boss, what he meant, he was like, Anna, you one of us because, because you understand not only words that we say, but also between the lines. Like you understand the culture. You understand what we imply by saying certain words. And unlike other people, they like, we need to explain ourselves, right? So they technically hired me for my good English, right? I mean, because... I could understand what was happening in the room. Um, if you want an example, actually, Cody, we had this like tricky situation one time and during our stand-up meeting, um, CTO was uh, asking for updates. So he turns to Alex, uh, who is Ukrainian, and he's like, Alex, why don't you give us your updates? Alex becomes angry and was like, what do you mean? I always give you my updates. Don't you remember yesterday I gave you updates? I'm also ready with my updates today. And C the CTO is like, like lost. Doesn't like, I don't know if you got it. I don't know if you got this. Uh, but Alex translated the question literally. Why don't you? Why do you not? He, he. Oh. 
not as a polite request, not as a polite request. He he's he thought that his CTO is reprimanding, like I don't know, like giving him a hard time, and and everyone was shocked. Everyone's like like you, pretty much like what WTF is going on, you know? <laughs> wow. And because I was there, I was like, oh, no, 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 guys, don't worry. Um, Alex, you, you just, uh, you didn't, you know, get the question right. Like, all, all is good. It was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Well, you you see, like, that's what English for IT is about. It's not just about the language. It's about the culture of communication, right? It's about different nuances of cross-cultural communication. This is actually one of my favorite and signature workshops that I love um delivering to like all both parties you know native english speakers non-native like any speakers of any language is cross-cultural differences effective communication across cultures when we like you know bring these examples on board and uh just learn more um, um you know about how to communicate with people in different cultures so i have a lot of examples your your podcast would be two hours long. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love those examples. You basically answered my next question. I was going to ask you, I know you've done English and soft skills training, but those simple things like, like small talk are are part of business and, and maybe overlooked by other organizations. So I, I think you just already illustrated why that's so important to, to really get right. Uh, so let's talk about like nuts and bolts. You have so much experience and expertise. You've written a textbook. You've uh, you've learned how to code essentially. Like you've you've designed these curricula. How have you scaled your knowledge to, so that English for IT is able to deploy that uh, on a scalable basis? And, and you know, like what does it look like? I guess as a customer, as the end user, what are they intaking, and how did you feed it to them? That's a great question. And since you like like you mentioned, um, I'm really big on practicing, but also teaching power skills, right? Power skills, this is a this is in the new term for soft skills, right? And I like this term so much more because when 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 we say soft skills, a lot of people, first of all, they don't understand what it is. Second, they like, oh, soft skills, it's softer than hard. So hard skills are more important, which is the other way around, because hard skills are easier to learn. Like if you want to learn what I did, how to build the website using HTML and CSS, you can do it maybe in a week, pretty much, you know, like if you really, you know, uh, set your mind to it. But soft skills, communication skills, right? Speaking, public speaking like this, making small talk, the, the, the really important topic, giving feedback, receiving feedback, asking for feedback, being coachable, being a learner. Um, emotion, really being emotionally intelligent and other things. These things are learnable, of course. However, it takes some time. That is why as, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a leader in general, and just generally as a professional, as a true professional, you have to embrace the fact that you are a lifelong learner. If you don't embrace this fact, Nobody like you will. I mean, you can be successful, but it's going to be a short term success. It's going to be a short, short term win. Um, if you embrace the fact that I'm a lifelong learner, there is no age limits because a lot of people are actually um, they they believe they believe that education has age restrictions. They were like, oh, I'm too old for this. I'm too old to learn this. This is not true. Like, I I mean, I think I'm too young to learn everything. Well, just kidding, right? It's just, uh, it just, it, it doesn't matter how old you are. You have to 
be learning all the time. And that's how you can scale your business. Because I believe that, well, here's the, you, you also have to take into account the um, um, being humble, right? Because like sometimes when you become successful, you grow this ego. And this is a very uh, big thing for CEOs, right? Like all leaders when they grow this ego and uh, they like, oh, I know everything. I don't need any mentors. I don't need any coaches. I don't need this and that. But that's, uh, I feel like if you act like this, that's that shows that you are not progressing you are i don't know you just it's a plateau or maybe you're just even going down in your um succession i don't know so that is why uh being coachable uh having a coachable personality and embracing the fact that i'm going to be learning all my life really helps you scale anything but most importantly first you need to scale you because if you are a founder, if you are an entrepreneur, uh, before you build a startup of you, there's actually a book, um, a startup of you. Before you build a startup of you, you're not going to build any other startups or any companies or any projects. That is that is why investment in you, investment in your personal development will um, will actually help you scale anything that you are building. Really well said. You started your entrepreneurial journey at age 21. I don't know a lot of really humble 21-year-olds. Do you, <laughs> looking back, or if, if there's a startup founder or potential founder listening, do you, do you think 21 is too early? Do you think you did a lot wrong at the beginning that looking back, you know, you're like, well, of course, I was 21. Um, talk to me a little bit about, about your, your involvement at such an early age. I love this. And to be honest, I feel 21 is the perfect age. I oh. think uh, right now, probably even earlier, I know people who um, started their startups or project at 18, at the age of 18 or 19. I think the sooner the better. And I will tell you why. The reason why is because you are 100% fearless, 100% fearless. You have no fear. You just do it. You like. You don't think about fail, like failure, right? Failure for you is not an option. You're just not afraid of it. Like being older in your thirties, you're not as courageous anymore, right? You are like, okay, um, what what are my peers gonna think about me if I fail and things like that? So when you're super young like that, of course, you don't have all these academic knowledge, you don't have experience, but you can learn it on the go if you are a fast learner, but also if you embrace the fact that you have to learn a lot and you can you can reinvent yourself within like a year and be like, you know, and just uh, uh, grow with your company, you know, you know, like if you are a really, really young founder. And but the most important thing is fear, of course, having these fears of failures and um, I don't know, judge being judged i think for for people these are like two two fears that prevent you from moving forward and prevent you from being successful and prevent you from starting your own business and company uh, or a company so this is this is it like if you uh want to start a company and you think what other people are going to think about you or you're afraid to fail, maybe entrepreneurship is not for you. And it is totally fine. Not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. A lot of people are amazing executives 
and all these big companies, they need amazing executives. I um, really want to highlight it because I saw it in my life when, you know, if in the, a group of friends, everyone, like all of a sudden wants to be entrepreneurs. And I look at these people and I see their people qualities, right? And I'm like, well, the, the, this person is an amazing executive. They, they are amazing following other people. But they don't have enough, they don't have that skill set to be an entrepreneur, to be actually leading people. And it's totally fine. But, you know, because like uh, being a founder and being an entrepreneur is so hyped up or has been so hyped up like during this time, because it's kind of a new thing, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's like available to everyone you know, also in, in the digital world. And I feel like people really have to first look inside and understand what they really want, what they can really do and um, what makes them happy because uh, what I saw like you know people started their companies and businesses and then they're like they sh it was really hard they like spend a lot of time money and resources and uh, then it didn't in end up like you know doing anything so it's really important to um, um, understand yourself first like I said answer in the previous question it's all about you first and then everything else Love that. Build yourself, then you can build around yourself and then scale, hopefully, yeah. is the goal. So who are your clients? I mean, That's who by, is it individuals, companies? Uh, yeah, talk to me about the, I'm the glad, customer. I'm glad you ask. I'm glad you asked because we actually cater to individuals, like any tech professional with any background, with any job that who uh, who, um, uh, who doesn't speak English as a first language, right? So who is learning English. So anywhere in the world, technically. Um, and we also cater to tech companies. And this is like a really big thing for us. So this is this is actually how I started English for IT, because I started uh, providing workforce development training at a tech company in Ukraine. And that's why I say that I have experience in the workforce uh, ed tech, right? So because ed tech, technically, this is a very bro, uh, like very wide uh, uh, notion here. But workforce, like uh, we work with uh, adults, we work with companies. So we we technically come on board um, with the tech company, and uh, we organize, uh, you know, trainings um, for their request. So it can be language, it can be soft skills, it can be combination. Uh, right. So we have worked with uh, we we typically work with companies that outsource. And now tell me who doesn't outsource these days, uh, right? So it can be like bigger companies. Like for, we worked with Snapchat for for five years because um, they had they opened their offices in Ukraine and then uh, uh, in Europe. So we were providing you know development training, workforce development training for them. So we work with smaller companies. We also work with startups, for example. I mean, the startups would come to us when they um, usually raise um, around and they start hiring and uh, it gets a little bit crazy on the team because again, they hire to save costs, they hire from around the workforce from around the globe. And uh, then um, it's just uh, all this miscommunication and uh, people don't understand uh, the culture of like why Latin American teammates are running late all the time. Isn't that rude? You know, and like this is this is not so much rude in Latin America. Even here in Miami, where I'm based, <laughs> I was like always the first one at every event when I just moved here. They're like, why are you here? It's early. I'm like, no, it's not early. It's on time. <laughs> Like, well, my any time is 30 minutes late. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, um, 
Right. So technically, this is when uh, startups bring us on board as well. So here we play this role, like helping HR if they have an HR. If they don't have an HR manager, we can technically help to uh, build the team on the go there. So yeah. And uh, like I said, pretty much anyone, any company that has international workforce um, is our client. Great answer. A lot of a lot of the investors I've talked to and other startup founders talk about the importance of having the right team. So from that point of view, when you're building your team to help scale your knowledge, are are you looking more towards uh, people that that do translations generally or like tech professionals to help design these programs? What does it take to make sure that your product is actually solving? the problems that your clients have? That's a very good question. And I, we have both. We have people like me, non-technical background, but learned along the way. Um, con- well, in generally, you know, being a content creator, it doesn't always require you to be an expert in the field, just like a journalist, right? Like you're writing, let's say I have a friend, he's writing articles, um, uh, for aviation, he's not a pilot, <laughs> and like he's never, he's never been like you know. But that's like his niche. That, and, that's me. Yeah. You're talking about me. I used to be a science journalist, and <laughs> I couldn't have told you what a neutron star was when I started. Um, so, I but get your it. articles were amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did all right. I did all right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so same here. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, tech professionals who come to us. Um, you know why they come to us to teach with us? Well, first of all, it's their domain, but their main goal is to improve their uh, social skills, to improve their soft skills. Because when you work as a software engineer for a company, right, you're mostly you're mostly coding, right? But you also want to be able to practice like presentation, your presentation skills, you know, dealing with people. And this is why our, well, the the team that I have now, uh, one of the goals why they joined our team is because they can interact with people and practice their social skills. And I'm really happy because this is, this gives us a really important and practical use case that soft skills are really important for your tech career. Like these people are not native English speakers. They come to us to work with non-native English speakers because they want to upgrade their soft skills yeah, and to get better in their career. And we have actually one, one of my teammates has been with us for almost six years. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, so, but like it started off like, oh, um, I want to just teach speaking clubs for you guys. And so he started back in Ukraine. Now he moved back to the United States. Um, but I'm just like saying, like, you see that that's, this is, we live in the world with so much technology and, you know, AI. I'm pretty sure you 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 have a lot of um, podcasts about that as well. But like it's at the end of the day, it's all about human interaction. And even in this AI era where, you know, we, we, we can do everything with the help of AI or like any other technology, um, successful professionals are, are going to be those who nail both this future tech plus people side right social aspect of this being like socially um adequate or you know being um just a people person as they say right 
That is why I'm so keen on delivering, bringing power skills training to the table, to the workforce development table, um, because that that's pretty much what they lack. What they lack, because uh, these the tech tech companies mostly they uh, really nail the uh, tech aspect of it, right? Like whatever is new out there, they they can nail it. But if they also help their workforce improve their communication skills, that's going to be legendary for the company and definitely pay uh, pay dividends on the investment. So when the tech company invests in workforce development, and I, I mean uh, non-technical part, uh, that's where you build the real culture. And that's where you build a um, common growth mindset because everyone is developing everyone's growing it's not just one person leader let's say the leader who is uh, who is uh, getting ahead it's the whole company beautifully said you're it, it, it again it speaks to what you we kind of talked about earlier um uh, one of the first guests on this podcast the funding blueprint uh, second guest i believe talked about the power of storytelling and how you're not just selling a product, you're selling so much more. And everything you just said, you're selling a culture, you're selling the ability to advance, you're selling the ability to develop. Um, and it sounds like you have a really good handle on all those intangibles that are not just, you're not just selling language learning. Um, not that, not you know, not, not I don't mean just language learning, right? Language learning is important, but there is so much more, right? That, that it gets you to your point. So very well said. And people can learn more about English for IT at englishforit.online is the website. And clearly you're very good at talking about this stuff. You're a great communicator. So Come it's on. funny because the day we're recording this podcast, you're dropping the trailer for a new podcast that you're launching. And I'm sure yes. by the time this episode comes out, yeah, congratulations. By the time this episode comes out, I'm sure you'll have millions of listeners. So what is the name of that podcast and what's the premise? Well, take a guess. <laughs> power skill. <laughs> it's power skills. Power skills for success. Uh, where I'm going to be, uh, it's not going to be only me talking about power skills that are needed to build a successful career in tech. Of course, we're still we're still you know in that niche, but I'm also going to invite uh, bright minds. Um, I'm going to invite executives. I'm going to invite founders. Uh, I'm going to invite a career life coaches where we talk about developing power skills, what they are, how to do it. Like, for example, um, uh, we're going to have a podcast on positive intelligence, right? Uh, do you know, Cody, what positive intelligence is? There is emotional intelligence. There is actually positive intelligence, which is fundamental if you're if you if we think uh, about employee well-being and there are like certain things that you can learn to ship to the uh, to be like positively intelligent about hardships that you encounter in the workplace. And uh, I mean, I think this is amazing. And another thing, I believe that uh, becoming g great at prompting, AI prompting, is the power skill of the future. And I just uh, published um, an, a blog post about this on my um, on my LinkedIn newsletter, where I talk about how AI prompting is the new power skill of the future, because um, I believe that uh, you know if you, if you really nail AI prompting, you are ahead of the curve. No one can find you. <laughs> no one uh, no one can stop you here. But people who are actually um, thinking that oh okay. 
um, AI is not perfect. It gives me like really crazy responses. Well, no, because your prompt was incorrect, was inaccurate. So if you master your prompting, and again, like these mastering prompting is has so much to do with power skills, with communication skills, because it's about you framing your idea in like really succinct sentence, right? This is what people are lacking, actually. Uh, and that's like with the help of AI prompting, you also improve your power skill of asking powerful questions or giving powerful commands or uh, summarizing, I don't know, pieces of information. Uh, I, you know, obviously use ChatGPT on the daily. I think everyone should use ChatGPT on the daily because that's the that's how you train. That's how you acquire a new skill. That's how you get practice, more practice. And I, I, I'm even noticing like, oh my God, I'm getting so much better. Like asking these questions, being more, being being clear, being more succinct, you know. And uh, that's great. It's like it's like a free tool. It's you know, like you don't even have to buy a course. I don't know, <laughs> or get a mentor. <laughs> it's there. You have your personal mentor. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so I we could do a whole extra hour just on that positive intelligence and AI prompting. I would love to talk to you more, but uh, I know we've taken um, plenty of time. So please follow on, on LinkedIn. I'll put a link to uh, connect in the show notes of today. And again, check out english4it.online. If you want to see just an example of a really successful entrepreneurial uh, initiative that, that went big and swung for the fences and has been very successful for many years. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and uh, good luck. This, uh, this has been amazing. Good. Glad to hear it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. To recap, some of Anna's tips for success include being strategic about your niche, understanding what it is you really want to do, and being ready to pivot. And don't forget that quote-unquote soft skills are really power skills, which is music to my ears because I'm no stranger to those. <laughs> anyway, The Funding Blueprint is produced by me, Cody Goff, with audio and video editing by Sean Patel. If you're looking for exceptional sound design or audio video production work, and a guy who has a lot of power skills himself, and get in touch with Sean at SeanPatel.com. Thanks again for joining me on The Funding Blueprint, unlocking startup success. Talk to you next week.